Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. SACPA, the Southern Alberta Council of Public Affairs. My name is Mark Gettle, and I'll be moderating this session. So before we begin, of course, it's... Uh, it's time to remind you to turn off your cell phones, and it'll be $11 for everyone to put into the basket, and please count the money uh, before the meal starts so it gets picked up. And I hope that everybody last week had just only one brownie, and that everybody's back down to earth now, uh, and uh, so we'll have a session today. So uh, today we have a speaker, it's Erhard Herman. He's a certified master electrician and certified hydronic designer. He's worked with electricity from his youth and always strives to learn and perform excellent work. He received several awards during his schooling and training and continued by taking on the various challenges that arose during his career. Erhard is one of the Alberta's pioneers in renewable energy with the primary focus of providing quality, reliable storage-based systems in Alberta and the Northwest Territories. He has extensive experience in the testing of these systems at, at his home and his shop, which is one of the most comprehensive and complex private test centers of renewable energy products. He uh, Didsbury, I believe. Yeah, Didsbury. He is now he now focuses his attention on off-grid solar power systems and custom electoral uh, control systems. So let's welcome Erhard. Thank you. Uh, what we have here is a picture of basically my place. Uh, I live in a light industrial area. So we're able to live there as well as have the business there. So the, uh, when we look at it here, is, uh, this here is actually our house and garage. In the back there is a shop, and this here is the old house, uh, which is now acts basically as a garage uh, storage area. So when we first went off-grid, we started with 1,380 watts of solar power and a one-kilowatt wind, one wind turbine. Uh, as continued on, I just tested more solar panels, and my roof looked like, uh, well, let's say it was interesting. Uh, the fellow that actually went and uh, designed the, uh, the charge controllers liked to show my... Uh, roof off because it said, see, you can have all sorts of different kind of panels feeding into one charge controller. So I finally got to the point where I found that, uh, you know, I wanted to kind of redo my roof and get as much solar power on it as I could, and that's what I ended up with here is on the, um, on the roof right there. Then uh, as time went on, I wanted to also try the solar thermal, so I tried the flat plate solar collectors, which are right there. Uh, what I found is nuts for heating. So what I found is they didn't really work that well when it's overcast or really cold. So I was really kind of disappointed in that technology. So next thing I tried, well these ones are supposed to be a lot better. They're evacuated tubes and you know they cost a lot and they're supposed to be kind of top of the line. What I found is the single wall evacuated tubes uh, had quite a number of vacuum failures. So I said, well, can't sell those. 
So then try another technology, that's these guys, and those are double wall evacuator tubes. So they use a heat pipe, which is basically uh, an evacuated copper tube with a little bit of water in the bottom. Uh, water boils inside that vacuum at about 30 degrees Celsius, and then it rises to the top, and then condenses, and you pick up the heat with a glycol loop and put it in the floor. So it worked much better, but what I found over the years here, it seems like they don't put out like they did before. And I actually had one of my customers mention the same thing. And what we're suspecting at this point, I haven't pulled mine off yet, is that the heat pipes are actually bursting at the bottom. I've seen a couple of them do that. Uh, definitely I've seen it in these ones. And so they actually, once they burst, uh, they obviously don't work anymore because now you can't have steam anymore, which is what boiling does. So. So basically I've gone back to, on the solar side, is strictly doing solar electric. Um, I mean, they still work, but it's, uh, it's not something that I think as a, as a contractor I would want to sell. And the other issue that you have when you go with solar thermal is it's really hard to shut those off. Solar electric panels you can unplug. Solar thermal, it's like it's got to be an overcast day or somewhere along those lines, and it's pretty hard to cover all those. So also tried uh, the wind generators and uh, tried a number of them. The only one that's left is this one. Is uh, basically their black sheep of the family. Is uh, the small ones that they either break, uh, they don't work when you first get them. Uh, a number of those companies have now gone out of business. Uh, basically can't even really get any that are certified electrically. So so it's a real issue. That's why basically I'm back to sun only. So that's just a little overview. So I've tried all sorts of different things. Uh, basically on the other side of this wall is kind of my test center where I've just, it's changed equipment quite a number of times. So in terms of the uh, topic for today here, is the sun all I really need? Well, it is, but... Yeah, and as we kind of go through it. So generally, is, you know, what kind of picture comes to your mind when you think of off-grid living? And generally, we kind of think of, all right, we're going to be, you know, living out in, you know, the wilds there, having all sorts of nice stuff around us. You know, we've got our cabin there, uh, you know, wood stove, you know, kerosene lantern, you know, maybe a dim light bulb, you know, a couple solar panels and generator. That's usually what comes to people's mind when they first think of off-grid. Okay. The thing we need to look at is when we're looking at going off-grid is what are the motivations for going off-grid? It tends to be quite a bit different than what we get is for the grid-type folks. I'd say the most common motivating factor that I see of the people that actually purchase a system is energy independence and security. So they're looking at something that isn't going to go down with an ice storm or the weather or the wind or um, if something happens on the grid or they live someplace where you know you get a snowstorm comes through and you're out of power for a week or two. So that tends to be the, the primary one. 
Uh, next one is the fuel electricity prices going up, and we're probably going to see more of that being a factor in the coming years here as uh, you know, our shift goes towards a cleaner technology. Probably more the original motivating factor was the grid's just too far away. And, you know, I may have a customer take them half a million uh, dollars just to get the grid in. Well, that gets to be a little much. So, you know, you start looking at, all right, do we run our generator? Do we go off-grid with solar? Combination of both. Another common one is actually, I have the money now, but I'm going to prepay my electricity because I'm getting to the point where, and this is really kind of, I'd say, the baby boomers are probably the generation that's really looking at this because there's kind of at the tail end of their, I'll say, their money-making years. And, all right, I know electricity prices are going to go up. I'm going to put this system in now so I don't have to worry about that in the future. Saving money, that's where people usually start when you start looking at solar. And those are the, probably the smallest percentage of people that actually buy because they realize how expensive it is once it gets through my website. So what is an off-grid system? Okay, it's basically it's a power system that's not connected to our normal electrical distribution network. So typically you're going to have a solar array and with the off-grid systems that we build now, we're generally looking at quite large systems, so they're not going to go on a roof that much. We're basically looking at ground-mounted things. So this is essentially takes the place of the grid, so that's we have, we have our generation. And just like the grid, the solar panels can't store any power, so we need some place to store that power, so we have a battery bank. And since we're working with DC electricity, we need to convert that electricity now to AC power, so we have a power inverter distribution system going on here. Uh, the black outbacks in the middle here, they do the actual conversion. Now, you may or may not have a generator. Most people do have a generator as a backup. Uh, we don't. We've never used one in the 14 years that we've been off-grid. And basically what I want to prove is that you can actually be totally off-grid without having a generator for a backup. When you size systems, uh, different people have different ideas of how to size it. Okay. Some people are going to design so the upfront cost is really low and that's what you're going to find most of your solar dealers do because if you actually were to design it so that you could be totally off-grid with a really good battery bank, you're going to turn off most people. So in order to get sales, that's what most of the guys are going to do. So in my view, they're undersizing. In their view, I'm oversizing. So generally, the, uh, the smaller systems uh, you know, I've talked about like that they're going to use what they call an L16 size battery. Physically, they're going to be about that big, and you're going to have, uh, you know, banks of eight of them, usually 16, whatever. They will generally size them so you're going to have maybe two days autonomy or so, 
which means if the sun doesn't shine in two days, you're running your generator. But it gets you into a solar system at a lot cheaper price. If you really design your system uh, for a minimum of maintenance and longevity, it's going to be actually the best value overall in the long term. When we get into the battery part of it there, we'll see it a lot more as we kind of look at if you use different size batteries, what's your cycle life on them, what's your longevity on them. Generally, your L16s, especially um, the sealed maintenance-free ones, they're going to be your shortest-lived ones. Your heavy-duty industrial batteries are your longest-lived ones. So where do you start if you're going to go off-grid? And that's usually the thing. It's our keep go websites are browsing around. What's it all about? What's it going to take? Well, most of the time, that's where we start. Okay, is uh, we've got a relatively large load compared to what we're trying to pull it with or drive it with. So what we're going to do is we're going to list all the things ideally that we'd like to have. So we'll look at things like the size and design of the home. You know, are we going to build a 2,500 or 3,000 or 5,000 square foot uh, home? Or are we going to do, like we used to years ago, is build a 1,200-square-foot bungalow and insulate it really well? Are we going to have a garage or not? Okay, Garage is going to help by not plugging in your vehicle, so you're using less power. We'll look at the appliances. Do you really need a dryer? Drying rack works fine, right? I mean, did years ago, right? Um, we look at the Energy Star appliances and so on. So that's kind of where the things that we look at. Heating system is probably the thing that uses the most amount of power in a home. So off-grid, it's really important to look at your heating system. Generally, we recommend that we go with hydronic heating, which is your floor heating, uh, boiler heat, uh, different people call it different ways. One of the issues with the heating system is that the uh, hydronic designers generally will design it for they'll use what's called outdoor reset heating. Okay, It's a really interesting term. I always say it's like, well, you can set the outdoor temperature to whatever you want. It's like it's not really. What it's designed to do is have your actual pumps run 24-7. And then we look at the lifestyle. Do you want to use a generator? So what we do is we take a look at, all right, how much power you're going to need. And for most people, it's going to mean that you're going to need to learn some about electricity. Okay, You can't quite go anymore. So One of the things that we've had happen in the society, we've lost a direct correlation as to the amount of energy something takes to what we're actually using. So I'm going to run through an example here because it's really important when we go off-grid. Uh, just had a customer the other day ran uh, basically two of those overnight and he wondered why his system was dead in the morning. <laughs> so how much power do you think that this little heater uses? Okay, physically, that big. You can tell by the outlet behind it. Okay, it takes 12 and a half amps at 120 volts. P powers voltage times current. 
1500 watts, 1.5 kilowatts, so 24 hours then gives us 36 kilowatt hours that we're using. No problem, right? Small, small little heater. Okay, average Calgary home uses 21 kilowatt hours. Okay. So a typical solar module is 250 watts. So how many of these rays do you think it's going to take? Okay. If you're going to be totally off-grid without a generator, it'll take three of those. Each one of those arrays is 90 feet long and about 12 feet high. A little bit of shock therapy here. So what size of battery bank would you need to store that amount of power for one day? Okay, normally at flood lead acids, we don't discharge more than 50%. So that size of battery bank, it's about 9.5 feet long. And that's a Rolls 2KS. So that's what it would take to store 24 hours worth of heat in one battery bank. We're starting to get the picture here what we're dealing with. Okay, now if we wanted to have six days of autonomy for that little heater, that's what we would need. Okay, this thing's 28 feet long, about stands about 30 inches high, and it's about 30 inches deep. So let's take a look at the option. If we were to do the same thing with natural gas, We're going to do our calculations. Go back one, sorry. Um, 37 cents for one day to run that heater. Okay, we're getting a picture here. So that's why we started with energy efficiency. Okay. So windows and doors are usually the most amount of heat loss you have in a building. Okay, so no, no double pane windows. Okay, they're gone. Okay, minimum of triple panes. In my place, I actually use two sets of triple panes. And actually, the, uh, the west windows have an extra one on the outside yet, so I actually have seven panes, and the outside one has got a highly reflective uh, film on it. We look at the heating system. We look at the lighting technology. Okay, so now the good stuff. Solar array. This one here is, uh, we built this one here this summer actually, and Mitsubishi totally electric car. What he wanted to be able to prove is that you can run an electric car totally off grid. Okay, so that's the size of the system. So basically, once a day, he can charge his uh, car and <coughs> drive, uh, like that's limited to, um, it's fairly short. I think it's about 80. 70 or 80 kilometers what that can go on a charge. So so basically that's the size of a ray in order to go and run that car and it's fairly short range. Okay, so how are you going to mount it? So typically we're used to seeing them on the roof. Well, when you go off grid there just isn't that much room up there. So we start going to walls and the other thing is how do you get the snow off it? So we start going to ground mount arrays. This one's about 120 feet long. 
It's about a 20 kilowatt system. Just to give you an idea, this is what we're looking at. You get into things like using uh, containers in order to go and uh, mount the solar modules on. Uh, problem is, you start doing this, you see how far it is above there? Okay, it becomes a pretty nice sail. You gotta have 12,000 pounds on each corner to keep it from tipping. Okay, pole mounting is another uh, option for mounting your solar arrays. That tends to be more for smaller ones. Uh, when when you get into really large systems, you know it really doesn't lend itself very well to doing it. So generally, like the previous one, works real well. So then we're getting into the uh, angles. So grid, with a grid tie system, you normally go about latitude. When you go off grid, we add about roughly 15 degrees. So when we look at it here, on the side here, you can kind of take a look where we start. And since we're looking at winter, so we're looking at, you know, basically this one here is the one we're looking at, right? So you can see down here the 60-degree one is not doing us a whole lot of good that much compared to the other angles when we're in the winter. So once you get into these ones here, you're doing a whole lot better. Okay, so we're looking at our basically our 65 to 70-degree ones. Once you get into the 80 degree one here, we're not gaining a whole lot, but we're losing a lot in the summer. So now what we're going to do is we're going to say, you know, our best average to kind of get a decent amount over here in the winter time and not lose too much in the summer, we're going to look at about our 65 to 70 degree range as far as our tilt angles go. Uh, by the way, that C can was at 80 degrees because it actually went north of Fort McMurray for um, a big oil company. Okay, question always comes up, do you track or don't you? Is uh, basically when we go off-grid, we don't track. Trackers are very expensive. You, you get 15% when you, you get to the winter time to December. So for the amount of money the tracker costs you, you can get a whole lot more power out of a fixed array. And in summer, you got plenty of power anyways if you've sized it for the winter. Batteries are the heart of your system. So what we're looking at here is an industrial battery bank. This one here is used actually for a backup for a large home. And it, it's sized to actually just, with the 20 kilowatt system that we've seen previously, it's designed to give backup power to the house. And with the solar, it, we can probably go about five, six days or so. If we don't uh, have uh, solar on it, this battery bank for that particular home is probably going to do about eight hours. Okay, the big thing here is batteries here. What we're looking at here is the value. So industrial battery bank, cost per cycle is the best here. Then you have your L16, which is your typical solar dealers will kind of put those in. And then you have your uh, maintenance-free batteries. Okay, so your cost per cycle is the most expensive with a cheap battery. It's the lowest with a good battery. And again, here what we're looking at is lifespan comparison. Again, your um, industrial ones, okay, going to last you the longest.
proper battery charging really is the thing you really need to look at. Batteries are usually murdered. They don't die. <laughs> the inverter system is, again, it's our power conversion. So what we're doing is we're taking the DC power, converting it from here into AC power, and then going out to our house loads. These inverters here also take AC power if you want to charge from a generator, and they'll charge your batteries backwards. It's a bi-directional device. Generator, again, a problem child. Um, that's where most of your problems come in. If you use a generator, you can use a smaller system overall, but then you're dealing with maintenance. You've got to get your fuel. If it doesn't run much, your fuel goes bad. You know, you're not really totally off-grid at that point. Cost analysis. Percentage-wise here, you, you look to this, right? That's your biggest one. That's your batteries. Racking is next. Your solar array is actually not that big of a pie. Your labor kind of gets in here, and then your other ones kind of <coughs> fill in the rest. So basically when we're looking at this, we look at the initial uh, motivating factor. Okay, this is where we'll continue. Okay, um, <laughs> so that's why... Okay, so going off-grid with solar only, that's the butt part of the equation. So that's what happens at that stage. That's why we always start with the energy efficiency. So, so basically the boomer system which we used here, it's, uh, it would basically do you about 8 kilowatt hours a day, which is about what we actually use at our home. It's about one-third of what the average you know, Calgary household uses. So if you're looking at strictly monetary payback and you're looking at it going off grid, it's not there. Okay, so that's why you go back to your original, you know, why you're doing what you're doing. So again, we basically go back, look at everything, can we do a smaller system? So you can run basically everything you want as long as you build a system big enough. So it usually comes down at the very end as to how much money are you willing to spend and how much room have you got. Virtually every time, it doesn't matter if the guy's a millionaire or if he's somebody who's just barely scraping by, pretty much always comes out to that. Challenges that we have in the industry as a solar dealer is the solar crusaders they're always trying to push the price of systems down. Okay. Customers always, always want to have it go down. Business overhead keeps going up. Regulations and electrical codes keep increasing. And it's really hard to get employees that want to work anymore. Uh, electrical code 
It's interesting, the, uh, the new code that's coming in in uh, 2016, which is the 2015 code, will be implemented January 1st. The, we actually can't meet the code with the actual available equipment at this point. So it'll be interesting to see what the electrical inspectors do with that one. So one thing you need to, again, be aware of, you're actually purchasing a power plant here. Okay, so, you know, Fortis is not going to come out, or in, if you're in the city of Lesbridge, I think you have your own uh, network. Uh, like, I think the Lesbridge has its own power company as such. Um, out where we are, it's generally Fortis. So they don't, you know, they'll come out and they'll fix stuff. So if lightning hits your transformer, they're going to fix it, Okay. If something happens in your system, it's like either you fix it or you call somebody to fix it. So it gets pretty expensive if something happens. Okay, so you got to be aware of that. Okay. And, you know, it tends to be that, uh, you know, if you have to call a professional, it's pretty expensive. They have to get paid. they got to travel. So there's a lot of costs involved. So you, what you want to do is, you know, build some redundancy into it, learn how the system works, be able to maintain it yourself to keep those costs down. So that's really, you know, when it comes down to it at the end, that's kind of what you're faced with, is are you willing and able to do this? So that's basically the kind of an overview. It's kind of a quick run-through, but I think we kind of touch with really what all the key issues are in it. And I'll say the key issues are space and money is when it comes down to it. It's possible, but that's where you end up with. <laughs>